we are finishing up a series today. Now, if you're new here, maybe new to church, what we like to do here is we like to do our messages or sermons kind of in series about around a certain theme or around a certain book of the Bible where we'll study the book of Acts. That's what we did over the summer, other books of the Bible. What we've been doing, this is part seven, our final week in a series called Upright. And that comes from the book of Proverbs. And really the main verse or the main theme of this series was that God has, and if you've been around for all seven parts, then you've, this is going to sound like a broken record. But if you're new here, I'm going to get you caught up before the final part of this series. God has a path for us to live on. God has a path that the Bible calls the path of the upright. And what God says is, and what we read in Scripture is, if you'll do these things, if you'll walk according to this plan, not only are you going to honor God with your life, but life is just going to go better. Life's just going to go well for you. And we talked about this the first week. This makes sense to us if we're driving an automobile, right? If you want to get to a certain destination, you get on a path that leads to that destination. If you find yourself in a destination where you don't want to be, you think, how in the world did I get here? Well, it's simple. You got on that road and you stayed on that road until you got there. Well, that's the same way it works in life. And maybe you're here today and there are things in your life that are just kind of a mess. And you're saying, how in the world did I get here in my life? I never thought it would come to this. Well, there are paths that we get on that lead us either towards God and godliness and wholeness and fullness of life. Or there are paths that we can go on that lead us to all sorts of different things, things that will be harmful to us, things that will cause us to get to a point in life where we're like, how in the world did I get here? So we're wrapping that up today, that series. And some of the things we've talked about, the idea of confession, bringing what is hidden, what is secret, the hurt that's in us, bringing it to the light of God, but also bringing it to the light of friends and family, the family of God, confessing things. When you have wronged somebody, confess those things. Another one is forgiveness, when someone has wronged you. How important it is for us to have hearts of forgiveness. As we have been forgiven by God so much, we should show that forgiveness to others. And when we are holding on to bitterness and grudges and anger, it's not like we're paying back the person who hurt us. All we're doing is holding ourselves hostage by our bitterness. All we're doing is holding back in our hearts that poison of bitterness. All that we're doing is filling our hearts with that so that God can't lead us to wholeness and health that he wants us to have. We talked about loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute you. Last week we talked about generosity and stewardship, how the resources we have. God says there's a way for you to be generous with those things and not be so concerned and fear-based with holding on to all your money and resources, but living generously knowing that God is our provider. Well, today in the final week of the series, it's based on a verse in Psalm 19, verse 7. And so I'm going to start out with that, and we can throw that verse up on the screen. Psalm 19, verse 7, it says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, and refreshing for the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect and refreshing for the soul. Because here's my main thought today for this message. I've talked about a lot of the things that talk about the path of the upright. You've maybe heard about Christianity. We stay on the straight and narrow. And when you hear that phrase, you probably think of, well, there's rules. There's rules we have to follow as Christians. And you might think of kind of some, you know, not at all happy or joy-filled Christians who just go through life, well... Praise the Lord, I'm just following the rules, right? You know, it's awesome being a Christian. I get to not do anything fun and just follow the rules, and someday I'll get to heaven where we'll follow the rules for eternity with all the other unhappy Christians. Maybe you've experienced something like that, and that's maybe your view of Christianity, right? It's just rules we have to follow. 
How in the world is the law, first of all, what is the law of the Lord, and how in the world is it refreshing to our soul? I've never known anybody who gets, list, gets given a list of rules that they have to follow and says, ah, this is so refreshing to my soul, right? Oh, thank you for this law, these rules. So that's what I want to talk about today is this idea that we have, that many have of Christianity, that it's just about following the rules. If you want to follow Jesus, you give up any sort of personal freedom to do what you want, and you just follow the rules. And then you feel bad when you don't follow the rules. And then you can find other people in the world that aren't following the rules, and then you can make them feel bad too. You know, that's kind of the idea that a lot of people have about Christianity. I want to put that idea to rest today. So first of all, the law of the Lord. What do we mean what does it mean when the Bible talks about that? So a little bit of backstory. This comes from the Old Testament, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And if you grew up in church or went to Sunday school, you know all these stories. And if you didn't, maybe this will be new and I'll try to get you caught up. The nation of Israel, the Jewish people in the Old Testament, thousands and thousands of years ago, because of a famine, they settled in Egypt. And you can read these stories in the book of Exodus. They settled in Egypt. Genesis and Exodus is the, is the part where the nation of Israel is formed, and they find themselves in Egypt, and things are going great for a while. But after a number of years, generations, in fact, in Egypt, the Egyptian rulers look at all these Israelites, and they say, they are growing in number and in influence, and soon they're going to take over. So we got to stop them. So instantly, like overnight, the nation of Israel in Egypt becomes slaves, slave labor, mistreated. This is what's happening to them in Egypt. Everything seems great, but now they're slaves. Where it was once freedom, now they're in slavery and bondage. And I was thinking about that this week. Isn't that like areas in our life, sin areas in our life, where it starts out like, this is great. I'm just living for freedom. And then all of a sudden you find out, oh, wait, I'm actually a slave to this thing. But that's what's happening to the Israelites in Egypt. They were treated harshly. And then God calls a man to lead the people to freedom. And we know this guy, right? Anyone know this? This is Moses. God calls Moses and says, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. This is what God says. And so Pharaoh, of course, says, no, I've got a nation of slave labor. Why would I let them go free? Well, then the plagues come, and it's the water turned to blood, and the locusts and the, all the other things that go on, and the frogs everywhere, all the plagues that come. Anyone familiar with these stories? And finally, Pharaoh says, okay, you can get out of here. So the nation of Israel leaves Egypt, and they are now free. Where they were once in bondage as slaves, they are now free. In freedom, they cross the Red Sea, they wander in the desert, and that is when God gives them the law, okay? He gives them what we would say, these are the rules now that you have to do if you want to follow God. And it's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. I will not read the entire law this morning because that's like five books in the Old Testament, not the most riveting, you know, attention-grabbing books in the Bible, but it starts in Exodus chapter 20. This is when God is going to say, okay, you're now free people, I'm going to give you the law. And it says this in Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and, into the, and out of the land of slavery. So I'm just going to stop there, okay? God is saying, I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery. I brought you out of slavery into the land of freedom. And then the very next verse, it goes on, if you read it, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any graven image. You shall not murder. You shall not kill. Anyone know what those verses are? Those are the Ten Commandments. Those are the big laws that we know growing up in church. These are the Ten Commandments. 
But I love that God started out. He could have said to the Israelites, you were in slavery to the Egyptians, but now I've brought you out, and now I'm your new master. You're going to do exactly what I tell you to do, right? Meet the new boss. He's the same as the old boss. It's just another list of rules that you've got to follow. But before God gives the law, I love that he starts it out with saying, I'm the one who brought you out of slavery into freedom. I'm the one who liberated you. I love that God says, I am your liberator. I'm the one who brings freedom to you. You were enslaved before, but now you are free, and here's how that looks. And then God goes on to give the law, which is really weird, right? And so often this is the part that gets misrepresented. I joked about it a minute ago, where a lot of people view Christianity as just a list of rules. I got to follow this. I got to do this. And then when you don't follow it, you feel shame and guilt. Um, and again, you got Christians walking around just miserable, thinking, man, if I could just you know, get through life, and Christianity is so awesome, just following the rules. And then I said, worse are the Christians who aren't following the rules themselves, but are judging everybody else for them not following the rules either. There's got to be a better way, right? Well, that's not what God intended at all. That's not what Christianity is all about. I was thinking about this. Anyone, you know, anyone grow up, if you're my age, you grew up in like youth group in the 80s, going to church in youth group in the 80s. Really, I mean, there was fun, but it seemed like every day you were tripping over something that someone would say, oh, you can't do that. That's evil. You can't do that. That's evil, right? I would, you know, as a kid, I remember watching the Smurfs, you know, the blue Smurfs, and I remember someone at church being like, oh, you can't watch the Smurfs. That's demonic. And I'm like... What? And then other people would say, that's, co that's communism, <laughs> right? I remember hearing these things, right? Like, I'm just watching cartoons. I was reading an article online this week of other funny rules that Christians had in the 80s. Of course, it was like, you never go to movies. Movies is where the devil hangs out. Or secular music, you don't do that. And you'd always hear, there was the fear of the rapture when Jesus would come back. And they'd hear, like, what happens if you're in line at a movie theater when Jesus comes back? What is he going to think of you then? And as kids were just like, oh, man, I just thought I was going to a movie. The cart you remember cartoon He-Man? I read a, a list this week. He-Man, the cartoon, people would say, you, couldn't, you can't watch that because He-Man claims to be the master of the universe. And we know that that's God, right? All these funny things. Did you grow up playing Rook? Anyone play Rook? Rook cards? For our family, it was, we loved playing Rook. But there was this understanding that this game with Rook cards was fine. This was the Christian version. But if you played with those evil cards with the symbols that they play with at the casinos, those were bad, right? All these rules... That, we've, that we stumbled upon. Um, there, was one, <laughs> there was one other one. This is later in life, and my daughter Lucy's here, and I was thinking about this today. Um, Lucy's a freshman in college, and she's home with us this weekend. But when we were thinking, uh, when Lucy was about to be born, we were thinking about what to name her. And so we had some friends from college, some Bible college friends, and we were saying, yeah, we're, we want to name our daughter Lucy. And one kind of I didn't even really know this guy, but all of a sudden he came up to me later, a Bible college student, and said, I heard you're thinking about naming your daughter Lucy. I said, yeah, what up? And he's like, well, do you think that's a good idea? And I was just like, what? What's going on? I'm like, and I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, well, Lucy Kerr sounds a lot like, wait for it, Lucifer. <laughs> I just remember being like, well, first... No, it doesn't really at all. Like, you really got to want that one. And second, I, I don't care. I don't even really know who you are, dude. Like, I, so Lucy turned out just fine, even though, you know, he claimed we are naming her after the Lord of evil. But it's not. It's just Lucy Kerr. 
I was listening to a podcast this week. I enjoy listening to podcasts, and I actually enjoy most listening to podcasts that are from people who think very differently than Christians do. So I was listening to one podcast. I, I'm a regular listener, and this guy who hosts this, he's a, he proclaims to be an atheist. He's very anti-church, anti-Christian. I enjoy, and I listen to this podcast because I like listening to thoughts and, you know, opinions of people who are smart and who disagree with me. And I listened to this whole podcast, and first of all, it was a good exercise for me and to listen to someone who disagrees with me and not feel like I had to, like, protest or, you know, write an email campaign. Never listen to this person again. But what he was talking about with organized religion, the church, he, he called it a shame factory, which was really interesting to me. He's like, man, I've just... Every organized religion I've ever experienced, it's like a shame factory. You just, all you hear about is the things you're doing wrong, and people are there to shame you, and you walk in and out of church, and all you do is feel worse about yourself. This was his view of a lot of churches, and in a lot of cases, he's not all that far off. But here's that idea of Christians, what we have about Christianity. It's all the rules, all the things we can't do, and this is the idea we have. And so yet God is giving the law to the Israelites, back to the Ten Commandments here, back to the Jewish people. Before he gives them the rules, he reminds them, this is for freedom. This is how you live in freedom. In ancient Judaism, they're not actually called the Ten Commandments. There's a Hebrew word that's better translated to the Ten Statements or the Ten Utterances. And they view the Ten Commandments not as a list of rules like, you better do this or else. They view it in the right way, as this is God saying, here's how you live now in freedom. This is what it means to live as free people. So when we think of freedom, I was doing a little research this week. There's two kinds of freedom. There's freedom from, so bear with me for a second, freedom from and freedom for, okay? So freedom from is like freedom from anything that's going to tell me what to do. Freedom from any sort of hindrance or rule or Anything that kind of tries to shape my behavior, I want to be rid of that. That's freedom from that. Now, freedom for is something different. Freedom for is freedom for living the kind of life I was meant to live. Freedom for becoming the person I mo most want to be. Freedom for becoming the person that God wants me to be, for walking in victory. Freedom for living a life that is flourishing, that is healthy and filled with joy. Our culture, maybe you're like me in this way, I'm this way, we crave freedom from any sort of restraint, right? And this is me, and I see it now in some of my kids, mostly my daughter Betty, and she's here. If you tell me to do something, instantly that's the last thing I want to do, right? Anybody like that? If you, even if it was something I was going to do, and someone says, hey, you have to do this, I'm like, oh, I was going to do it anyways, but now you told me I have to, and now I don't want to do it. And in my mind, I'm like, now I can't do it because then I'm doing it because you told me. It's a flaw that I have in my character. I know uh, maybe you are like this. Maybe you have a kid or a spouse that you're elbowing right now saying, that is you. We crave this in our world, freedom from restraint, but that freedom, freedom to do whatever we want, is not what our soul needs. It's not what our soul needs. This is not freedom that will lead to a flourishing life. We need freedom for living the life that God has for us, for living as free people. In our country, we have laws, right? We have laws that we have to obey. But yet we'd say we live in a country of freedom. 
And the laws that we have allow us to live in that freedom. Does that make sense? The laws that we have kind of shape us so that we can live as free people, as flourishing people. This is the law of God for us. It is refreshing for our soul because it brings freedom for living an abundant life. That's the whole point of this series. God has a way for us to live that leads to joy and freedom. And I can tell by some of your faces right now, you're totally experiencing that joy of being in church this morning. This is what God has for us. The joy of living as free people, living the life that he has for us. Thank you, Dennis. Here's what we see in Scripture, and we will all experience this. We're always going to have something as our master, okay? We're always going to have something or someone lording over us. And for a lot of people, most of the people in our world, that thing that's their master is themselves, I'm my own master. I live for what I want. I do what I want. I'm not going to have any religious people tell me what I can and can't do. And for many people, it's self, which then becomes, for many people, it's often an addiction or something that they become consumed by. It could be money or finances. It could be an addiction to drugs or alcohol or sex, pornography, greed, pleasure, all of these things. It's the things that we live for. It's the things that we seek after or think about or pursue or want. It's the thing that is dominating our thoughts. Well, if that's happening in any of those areas, that's now your master, right? Because that is what is controlling you. That is what I am living for. It has mastery over us. And so often we think that living in freedom is just like, I'm going to do whatever I want. But all we're doing is allowing something else to control us. All we're doing is allowing something else to dictate what we think about and pursue, and it's robbing us of life and peace and joy, and not only doing that to us, but when you allow something like that to have mastery or to control you, not only is it reaping destruction in your own life, it's destroying all those around you, too. How many of you grew up in a home where there was alcoholism? You know it didn't just affect that person. It affected the whole family, the marriage, the kids, everything. It affected careers, relationships. So we think that we're walking in freedom, but all we're doing is allowing something to have control and mastery over us. Now, the alternative to that is surrender to God and say, God, now you are my Lord. You are what I'm living for. You are my master. I want you to lord over me. And instead, what we find is when we live according to his law, his precepts, his standards, we discover that this is the source of life. This isn't a burden that weighs us down, but it's the source of life for living how God wants us to live, free to flourish, free from the power of sin in our life. Joyful freedom, joy, right? Amen. Joyful freedom. And that is the same thing that not only impacts your life, but that also impacts all of those around you, your family, your marriage, your friends, your careers, all of those things that God says, if you will walk by this path Everything is going to go well for you. This is what we should be doing as Christians, bringing life and joy and freedom to the world around us. This is why the Bible refers to Jesus' followers as the light of the world, is because that freedom that we have in God should be a light to everyone around us, saying, wow, look at that person. They are living as free people, flourishing, living with joy in their hearts. I know too many Christians that are not good billboards for Christianity, right? Because people look at them and be like, I want nothing to do with that person right there. But if we are walking around in freedom and life and joy, that is what it means to be the light of the world. Now, of course, there are going to be times when we say no to things. 
There's going to be times when we say no to things. There's going to be things that the world is chasing after that we say, no, I'm not chasing after that. I'm going to say no to that so that I can say yes to the greater yes that God has for us. Right? Does that make sense? I want to say no to this because God has something better, greater, more fulfilling, that is going to be healthy for me, that is going to be healthy to those around me. The greater yes that God has for you. Some of you, that's the word for you today, is you just need to, you've been living with yourself as your own Lord and Master, and today you need to say yes to the greater life that God has for you. So there's a simple example of this, and I've got a few minutes left. A simple example of this in James chapter 1, verse 25. So this is the New Testament. This is written by James, the brother of Jesus, and I'm going to read verse 25 and 26 in James chapter 1. A very simple example of what it means to kind of bring an area of our life under the authority of God. It says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, again, that's what we're talking about today, the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. In the next verse, and this is where James gives a practical example. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So James is giving a very practical example here about how we use our words, the words that we say. So let's think about two options. Everybody think about all the words that you say and how you want to use your tongue and the language that you use, okay, and how you talk to other people and treat other people. There's the idea of, I want to be free to say whatever I want to whoever I want. If there's a thought into my head, I want to be able to say it right now, not think about it, not have anybody telling me what to say to other people, and I'm just going to speak my mind, right? Maybe you know someone like that. I'm free to say whatever I want to whoever I want, okay? The other alternative is, I'm going to bring that part of my life under God's authority and allow him to be able to give me the strength to control what I say, to control the words that come out of my mouth. So those two options, which one do you think leads to more freedom in your life, right? You think maybe it's bondage to have control over your mouth? No, it is actually God saying, this is going to go way better for you. How many people that you know that just shoot off whatever they're thinking, are they like really good friends? Do they have a lot of close friends around them? Nope. Most people are like, I don't want to be around that person. Does it go well for them in marriage or their kids like them? No. It doesn't go well for them. In their career, no, all of these things. What leads to a better life, better marriages, families, careers, friendships? Which one leads to more freedom for you to live the life that God has for you to do? It's when you bring that area under God's control. Does that make sense? Somebody nod at me? All right. This is Christianity. This is surrendering your life to God. And it is by no means giving up freedom. It's bringing your life into alignment, walking that upright path that God has for you. God is our liberator. He is the giver and the author of freedom. It's recognizing that this is the life I was meant to live. This is the life that is not only going to lead to my flourishing, but to the flourishing of those around me as well. A couple of passages of scripture, Psalm 119, verse 44 and 45, says this, I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. Again, seeking after the precepts of God allow us to walk out in freedom. Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8, and this is what I started the sermon with today. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing for the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So how does this apply to you today? How does this apply to you? This is the whole point of this series. The whole point of this Upright series is that God gives us guidance, practical guidance on how we need to live our life. 
that is going to lead us down the path of the upright. And the choice is ours. The choice is yours today. Are you going to follow your own path, thinking that is the way to freedom, and it's going to lead you down to anything and everything else being your master and Lord? Or are you going to follow God's path? Say, I want the life that you have for me. This is the whole point of this series. This is the path that leads to life as God's children, not slaves, but as God's children. We're not bound by anything. We walk in freedom and new life. And in that life, shame and brokenness and guilt and addiction and hurt and fear and anxiety and depression and all these things that rage around us, we see those things start melting away because God is leading us down to the life that leads to our wholeness and our flourishing life. Those things fade away as we walk closer to our Heavenly Father. So today, maybe you're here, and you might, you know, maybe you don't go to church that often, or maybe you're just visiting today, and, or maybe you have kept God and Christianity at a distance because it has been so poorly modeled by other Christians. And you think, why would I want to do that? It's just a list of rules that I got to follow. It's just a list of rules that lead to guilt and judgment. And honestly, you have every right to feel that way because that is how, unfortunately, it is represented in our world. But that's not the life that God wants for you. That's not the life of love and value and worth and forgiveness. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Maybe this would sound familiar to some of you. Pretty well-known verses. This is Jesus talking. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is that thing they put on cattle when the cattle were pulling the plow through the plow fields. It felt, you know, you'd look at that and be like, that's a burden they're putting on that. But Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you and learn, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, that burden that we think it is, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God does not add chains to your life. God does not add burdens to your life. The law of the Lord is not adding slavery in some way to your life. It's not a burden that we carry around. What we know of God is that he is the one who lifts the burdens off of us. His burden is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is not a God who adds chains to your life. God is the God who breaks chains and allows you to walk in freedom. Are we living as those who walk in freedom. So if that's you today and you've kept Christianity at an arm's length because it's been misrepresented, I just want you to open your heart to God's freedom today. Say yes to the greater good that God has for you. If you would like to talk to someone, I'd be happy to talk to you, and we might have a couple prayer team members up here at the end of service. If this is something you'd like more information on, what does that mean? What does it look like to walk in God, all in life with God? All you do is you just confess that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, and you invite Jesus to forgive you, and then you are walking in new life. I encourage you to do that today. But the rest of this application is for the Christians, those who have been walking with God a long time. Are you living as those who are free? Are you walking through every day as someone who is joyfully free? Is there joy in your life? Is there peace in your life? Or are you just kind of walking through, just downtrodden, like, oh, bless the Lord, I'm going to make it through another day. And there's a lot, <laughs> I've noticed, this is not a knock on Christian radio, um, but of course, by saying that, it probably is a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with Christian radio, but I notice a pattern in a lot of songs that are written by the Christians. It's a lot of like, oh, things are the worst. 
I'm barely making it through, but you, Lord, are going to get me through another day. But, oh, it's so bad right now, and the world's falling apart. But I look to you for hope, and those are fine things. We go through seasons. But I want more seasons where it's like I'm walking with God, and I'm free, and I'm joyful every day, right? I am joyful in what God has done for my life. I don't want to be, like, downtrodden and, like, worried about, oh, I've got to follow these rules, right? I want us to walk and live. I want this for you. I want this for our church. I, want, I would love our church to be known as a community of people that are walking in freedom and joy, and you can see it on their faces, not imposing a set of rules on somebody else saying, you got to live like me. Don't you want to be like me? But no, look at the freedom we experience. This is our God. Come follow our God with us. This is how I want us to live. Our values at this church are everybody's welcome. There's always room for someone else. You don't have to fix yourself up to be a part of this family, about this group. You don't have to fix yourself up. We're not going to put, we're not going to give you a checklist. What TV shows do you watch? Sorry, can't be allowed here. You know, no, we're not doing that. We are going to welcome everybody in, and we're going to follow God in joy and freedom and learn what it means to walk according to his path of righteousness. This is what we want to do. And we grow in our faith. And we live a life of joy and freedom. Joy, fun. Sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes the most Christian thing we can do is just have fun. Add life to your community. I was, you know, this week is Halloween. Halloween was another thing in the 80s growing up. It was like, you can't celebrate Halloween. That's the devil's day. You know, and there's, there is a history of some demonic and occult things around that holiday. But here's, what I, here's the thing about Halloween. Now, if, you, if you're a family that doesn't want to celebrate Halloween, this is not, you know, do your thing. But here's what I think about that. We want to be people that are in our community, get to know people in our community, build relationships in our, in our community, and that's one night of the year where the whole community is walking around the street talking to everybody. So Christy and I, what we do is we set up like a hot chocolate stand and a bonfire on our driveway, and as people come by, we just talk to people. We want to get to know our neighborhood. We'd love to have you do that. If you want to do that in your neighborhood, I'll buy you the hot chocolate. How does that sound? You know, get to know your community. Build relationships. That's the one thing, one of the things I'm excited for in our building that we're trying to purchase. And we'll keep you updated as we're trying to do that. We're still trying to move forward with that. But I would love it to be where we just are a church that just throws parties. Just throws parties. Like just has big dance parties or something, right? Well, dancing, you can't do that. <laughs> right? Oh, no, that's not allowed. That was another rule growing up. You can't dance. That's why I could never dance growing up. I want us to just have be joyful people. Throw parties. Throw parties. I want us to be a group of people that can have fun without the, well, now we tricked you in here, and here's our little mini Bibles that we're going to give you, right? No, I just want it fun for fun, joy for joy's sake, being people that add life to our community, right? So this is what I want us to learn how to do. As we wrap up this series, anything that I've been a part of, said in this series that causes you to think, well, God just has more rules for me to follow. I have to confess my sin. I have to be generous with my money. I have to forgive those who hurt me. This is not a burden. This is not a burden that God puts on you. This is God saying, this is what it means to live free. Free from that bitterness. Free from that bondage. Free from the grip of materialism or anything else that would seek to have control of your life. This is what it means to walk and live as free people. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we, first of all, we just want to be joyful in our thanks to you. In our thanks to you, we were once bound in sin, and you have brought us out into freedom. You have brought us from darkness into light, and it's because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross for us. And so, Lord, we receive that today. And if you've never done that, even in this moment, you could receive that. I receive the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. 
I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I want to walk in new life and joy and freedom that God has for me. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray that you would stir that up in us, what it means to walk as free people. Walking the path of the upright, not as a burden, not as a heavy yoke that is on our shoulders as we pull it through life, but as people who are flourishing, filled with joy and freedom, because that is the life that you want for us. And I pray for those who are bound today, bound by an addiction, bound by something that has mastery over them, that is controlling their life. I pray that you would break those chains today and that people would turn to you, the God who is our liberator, a God who brings freedom and life. We thank you for this time. I thank you for this church. I pray that our church would continue to be a light in our community. I pray a blessing over everybody here that this week they would walk in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces and schools, and there would be something about them that people would say, what is it about you that causes you to have such joy? And you would open doors for us to share about our love for you and what you have done in our life. We thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thank you, Homestead Church. We're glad you're with us today. Have a wonderful day. If you're new, I would love to meet you out in the lobby. Stick around. We've got some water and donuts and some other drinks. And if you please grab an Operation Christmas Child box and be a part of that over the next two weeks. God bless you.